welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's Christmas special, I am joined by Rhys Aldane. Rhys, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, Matt. I'm delighted to be asked on to, to for the Christmas special. Um, I'm looking forward to discussing the, the festive Jags. Tom Hosey's here. Tom, are you well? I'm very well indeed, thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to having a wee blather about some some games that I remember and some games that for some strange reason I have next to no recollection of, which will be quite interesting. But no, that should be that should be fun looking back at some festive frolics over the years. And running off our panel to do just that is David Forrest. David, can we get your most festive ho ho ho, please? Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! It's it's incredible that it's taken us what like four years to actually do a Christmas special with my relentless, unquenchable thirst for doing tenuous um, episodes about random days and all that that we've not done a Christmas one yet. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very happy to be doing this, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think in the first year of Draw, Lose or Draw, we did do a, a live call on Christmas Day for folk to join in if they wanted to, and it was sort of overcome by Russian bots. So that's maybe why we've been put off the, the Christmas scent for a few years. But we are here as the first Draw, Lose or Draw Christmas special, hopefully not the last. The format of today's episode, we are going to look at festive dates and go through them all and games that Partick Thistle have played. Some of them have won, some of them have not on these festive dates and we'll have a chat about our memories of these games. We'll kick off at our first festive date, the 23rd of December, 2022, last year's game against Inverness. We are recording this prior to this year's game against Inverness in 2023. We'll have to wait a, a few days for our, our takes on that one. But on the same date last year, we beat Inverness 5-1 at Hill. a very happy start to the festive period. Reese, what are your memories of this one? Yeah, it was a it was a great game, obviously, during the festive period and but the, the festivities has already begun. I remember I spent that day um in town just doing some last minute Christmas shopping. Um I'm sure I went for a, a dinner with my dad. So it's it's always nice to sort of have that feeling that the majority of folk would be off work at that time of year. So it was good to, to go to Fur Hill that night. Am I right in saying it was a Friday night? It was one that I was really looking forward to. Um I remember at the time there was some rumours that Obviously, we knew that Tiff was out and there were some rumours that Fitzpatrick was carrying an injury. Um, and Fitz had actually been on a decent run of form at that point, so we're kind of worried with that. But um, Fitzpatrick passed his fitness test and was brilliant in that game. Uh, I think he registered a couple of assists with a fly and we were wearing the, the 12-13 uh, retro throwback kit. And we were playing pretty much like the 12-13 kit. This was when uh, Cole McKinnon was in his pomp with us. Um, he got on the score sheet. Graham doing what he does best as well, scoring. And Adam Muirhead got a goal as well. And, and not too often we've seen him score with his head, um, normally from the penalty spot. But I got a, a headed goal on the night. And I, it was a, it was a really good occasion that night. You know, the the North Stand, I remember, particularly remember the, the John Lambie stand bouncing that night. And I actually think I think that might have been the first time that sort of the younger crowd bought, brought a drum to a game. Um, if I remember right, and there was a really nice atmosphere in the, the John Lambie stand that night. And of course... Nothing really to ever complain about when you win 5-1. So, yeah, it was a really good time and it set you up nice for, for going into Christmas. It certainly did. I remember Inverness had a had a real injury crisis at this point. I think they were struggling. They Vidgers was on the bench. I think he was ill. And they had a very small bench as well that night. This was maybe the, the last big hurrah of Ian McCall's second spell in charge. I think after this, we only beat Morton in the league until he, he departed the club. And this was the last sort of big win under Ian McCall, so it was probably one of the, the last hat twirls we saw at Fur Hill, uh, which is a shame. But Tom, what are your memories of, of this night and, and this stage of the season uh, that, that, that around this point last year? Just before I can recollect the match itself, just when Reese was saying that it's not often Aaron Muir who scores with his head. I actually thought he was going to say something that he did with his head more often than floor Queen of the South defenders and stuff like that with his head. What do I remember of this game? I remember Brian Graham was absolutely sensational. That's my primary memory of it all. It was as fine a display of what I would say old-fashioned centre-forward as I think I've seen in a long while. And I think it might arguably be his best game I think he's had in a Thistle jersey. And he's had plenty of good games. I think he absolutely bullied Inverness that night. And I, I 
should maybe have had a look at the teams, but did Inverness have a young, inexperienced centre-back playing that night? That was kind of maybe tie in with their injury problems, but whoever the centre-back was, he absolutely just bullied them. And we battered them that night. It was an absolute joy to watch. Um, and I think at that point, you're saying, Matt, it was you know one of McCall's last big hurrahs as Thistle manager. I think at that point, we probably still thought his team could push Dundee for the title. Um, I think it kind of started to go a wee bit awry in the new year. But as 22 became 23, I think we all still thought, yep, this McCall team, when it clicks, it's absolutely sensational to watch. And we can push Dundee all the way, if not actually finish above them. Yeah, it was Wallace Duffy was one of the centre-backs that night for Inverness, Tom. He was sent off. I think he had a tough night. There's a, a, a few youngsters in their back four and not many names that are still around now. So, yeah, it was an inexperienced back line for, for Inverness. But, yeah, as you say, Brian Graham was terrific that night and he opened the scoring. David, I'll come to you for your thoughts on the, the game we're going to talk about Christmas Eve, which is a, a 1-0 win at Brockville in 1988, which... I don't think you were at, but what what do you have to say on this game? Uh, sadly, I was too busy um, gestating in the womb. Uh, I said, oh, I should know. I wouldn't even have been because it would have been uh, uh, 10 months before I was born. I was not at Brockville. I never went to Brockville, which is a bit sad. Um, I, I, obviously, everyone eulogises about how much of a dump it was by the end and stuff like that. But it definitely was a, a very old school ground of a lot of character. Um, Falkirk were top of the league at this point. It was John Lambie was in, was our manager at this point, but amazingly, um, Falkirk's manager was Jim Duffy. And am I right in saying Jim Duffy was like Clyde manager like three months ago, and this is before I was born, and it's uh, like it was st- still just on the managerial merry-go-round. But um, Falkirk were top at the time, and the absolutely running us over in midfield, but they couldn't score. They had a couple of close chances for flood. We cleared an effort off the line, um, but we we soaked up the pressure and then basically hit them in the break. Like yeah, and we scored one 0 ten minutes to go from twenty yards, and that was it. And we won. And I'm surprised we've not had a Christmas Eve game since. I know that it's kind of a bit of a pain in the ass in terms of public transport, but I thought it would be in the sort of same vein as like New Year's Day, where there's like a Sunday service or whatever on there that you would have Morton or. St Mirren or, you know, Motherwell or some somewhere sort of vaguely half decent, maybe in the Premiership when I've maybe seen it with Celtic, for example, but maybe it's just because of the closeness to New Year's and the sort of proximity. I'm surprised it's not happened yet, just considering, you know, the other dates that we sometimes have football on. You mentioned Jim Duffy there, David, that's actually really interesting. He was only only 29 when he was the manager of, of Falkirk and then John Lambie tempts him sort of out of a, a retirement to, to join Thistle the next year, or in 1990, I should say, the next season. And then that's that's quite wild that we've, <laughs> John Lambie, who was manager for Thistle that night, signs his opposing, his opposing number in the opposite dugout as, as a player 18 months later. That's that's crazy. Tom, what, were, were you at this game, Tom? And I know there's a, there's another Christmas Eve game that is a, a few years earlier that is also significant for you. Well, thanks, David, for making me feel really old. You were not yet in the womb in 1988. You're supposed to be the elder one in this podcast. I was 20 <laughs> at the time. Um, and I remember the game very, very well. Brockville was. It was a fantastic place to go and watch football. It was a bit of a death trap trying to get out down a very steep staircase with no lighting. But it was old school ground, tremendous place to watch. Everyone packed together under the shed. Smaller shed than at Capilo, but kind of generated the same kind of acoustics. And it was just about a month, I think, after Lambie had taken over. So there was start of wee hints of things that were starting to improve. But I don't think we really went through to Brockville that day expecting to to win. I don't remember too much about the game because I was 20 and I probably had a few beers beforehand. But I do remember Pat Kelly's fantastic goal that won the game. Um, in my mind, it was much later than 80 minutes. I thought it, in my mind it was about 89, but that's just probably the passage of time playing tricks. Absolute 20 yards out, but on the touchline almost, and he just curled it into the, the far corner of the net. Absolutely magnificent. 
and that was a brilliant way to kick off the the Christmas festivities. And there was it was it was the start of better times. That's the way the car kind of remember it as the start of better times. Tom, I'll cast your mind back even further than to, to Christmas Eve 1977. Your your first ever Thistle game, is that right? It was indeed. Um, thanks to the the Thistle archives digging into reserve matches, I've recently discovered that I was actually at Furhill for the first time before this game for some bizarre reason. About two or three years earlier, my father took me to watch a Saturday afternoon reserve game against Dundee United. Why he did it, I don't know. But this was my first proper game at Furhill, and it's, I will always think of it as my first Thistle game. Christmas Eve, I'm quite sure I was dragged along primarily to get me out of the house. You know, I was nine years old at the time, probably really excited about Christmas getting under my mother's feet. So I think my mum probably said, look, to my father and my brother, if you're going at the football, you're taking that wee shite with you. And off I went. And what a debut. As a Thistle fan, 4-1, I think we were up near the top of the Premier League at the time. Read newspaper reports say there was over 8,000 inside Farhill that afternoon for, for a game of air. It's quite remarkable, especially the Saturday before Christmas. Ali Kahara scored a hat-trick, Bobby Houston scored one. And when Ali Kahara was inducted into the, the Thistle Hall of Fame, I actually spoke to him that night and... It sounded funny in my head at the time, but I said, thanks, Alex, you ruined my life by scoring a hat-trick in that game because that was 46 years of misery and pain that that wonderful introduction to Farhill induced. But no, a very, very special day and one I recall very fondly indeed. Excellent. It's not often you speak to a Thistle fan on their first games I win, so very lucky in that regard. David, I'll come to you for another game against Air United. This was Christmas Day 1971. The League Cup winners welcome Air United to Hill on Christmas Day. There were 6,067 people there at Hill. I'm not going to ask you if you were there or not, but if, if this were to play Air United this year on Christmas Day, would, would you be allowed to get out of, of family commitments to get along to that one? Um, do you know something? like My family live half in Bishop Briggs and half in sort of Annie's Land. I could probably wing it and go, go to my family in Bishop Briggs in the morning, then go to my family in Annie's Land at night. I would love a Christmas Day game. I think that would be, if you could swing it. I mean, I always remember my granddad, um, he he was, he talks about, he used to be a jazz musician, and one day he ended up playing a gig on Christmas Day and um, at a local, and they had, his family came along, they had dinner, and it's just all his friends were all there and stuff like that. And it was really, really nice. And I feel like having a sort of Thistle game on that day, maybe not so much now because everyone's a bit less regionalised and stuff like that, but it would be lovely to spend Christmas Day with your your big family um, at, at Christmas. But the, yeah, absolutely. I, I would probably go. I don't know how thrilled Linda would be. It might be the one Thistle game that Linda actually goes to for her, to be fair. And we all go. They'd have to do, like, can you imagine the pie of the month that for that game, though? It would be some. It'd be like a full dinner and a pie. Um, it would. Be, it would be fantastic. Definitely would eat that. Um, th- I don't think any of us were there that day, so we, we can't comment too much on the game. Thistle lost at one 0 a, a late Air United goal. Can Can you imagine the the atmosphere inside for <laughs> on well, Christmas Day? Have, have <laughs> we you lost one nil to Air with a late goal. Uh, even worse, I read the match report of this. Right, I I shit you not, Matt. Right. We had um, two goals cleared off the off the line. We hit the bar. We had a goal that was offside, and we missed two sitters. We could have won like six one here, and 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 didn't. It's a Christmas medical mat. I don't know what was going on, but presumably we were still just absolutely pissed from winning the league cup in October. I just had never sobered up because I I just don't get it. But yeah, if we went to a game on Christmas Day and we hit the post. Had a goal offside, two off the line, two sitters. Oh, it'd end us. It'd end us as a fan base. Like <laughs> the sherry would just take us and we just die on the stands. It'd be, it'd be somewhere. So from six thousand on on Christmas Day to zero at the Falkirk Stadium on Boxing Day 2020, and we could have picked a, a two-one home defeat to Morton for for a Boxing Day fixture. We have another two-one home defeat to Morton coming up a little bit later. So we'll talk about this the lockdown season. We shall come to you. What are your memories of this one? A goalless draw at Falkirk. 
just the it's just a crazy time, wasn't it? Just watching the games on through stream, um, whether it be on your laptop or you'd <clears throat> you'd sort of mirrored it on your TV. It was it was really weird. But I just remember um going into the game obviously we weren't going too great. Um Falkett were top of the league at the time. Um and I didn't really know what to expect. I don't think any of us ever got came to terms with knowing what to expect for any of these games. They were always sort of like a bounce game and they could go either way. Um, what I remember of the game, I actually think we were probably the better side. I know we hit the woodwork a couple of times. I remember Zach Rudden hitting the woodwork. He was still searching for his first goal for Thistle. I don't think his first goal came for us up until March where he scored in the Scottish Cup against Cowan Beef. So he had a bit of a goal drought, but it was coming on to a game at this point. As much as a, of a game as a striker can come on to without actually scoring a goal, he hit, like I said, he hit the post against his old club and we were sort of in the ascendancy. Um, but the one key thing that I do remember is this game is that rather than just getting a straight red card for for dissent, um, I suppose we'll never really truly know what he said to the ref. Um, obviously, angered the ref. Ref wasn't happy and he got a straight red card and uh, we ended up leaving with a point. So. Obviously, Falkirk, as I said, they were top of the league and come the end of proceedings that day, we were sat in fifth place. But thankfully, we're, we're here today and we can tell the story. We, we somehow went on to win that league. So, happy days in the end, but uh, sort of uneventful, an uneventful game on Boxing Day. Tom? I do know what Zach Rodden said to the referee that day. Were you allowed to swear on this podcast? Absolutely. Well, it's actually worse than that. He called him a fucking cunt. <laughs> right, we shouldn't laugh, but you do wonder, right, how often does that happen on a football pitch? And if it happens in front of even a couple of thousand at Fur Hill, it probably doesn't sound as bad as it does in like an empty, hollow ground in the middle of an industrial estate. It probably sounds a lot worse than it would under normal circumstances. <laughs> I always, th- I also think that uh, Ricky Foster nearly gets sent off as well because somebody says, "What is he sent him off for?" And he went, "Foul and abusive fucking language," uh, which I thought was quite funny. So it was, I think that was the the episode title was "Foul and abusive fucking language" um, because I mean, yeah, it was my my abiding memory. Of this is that you were talking about like doing st- like people watching your streams and. There's a good percentage chance that this guy listens to the pod, right? And if you do, then, you know, brace yourself. There was a guy who used to stream. Because remember, Falkirk stops selling the stream at like 1 p.m. For some reason, you couldn't buy the stream after 1 p.m. They just didn't want people's money after it. So this was the only game I pirated in the COVID season. And it was a guy who'd bought the stream watching it in his house but like video in his telly of him playing it, which, you know, that's not uncommon. But he was doing a commentary at the same time. Like, and not a good... I'd, I'd take like John Hartson and Mark Lawrenson in the booth over this guy because it was it was incredibly bad. But uh, a real bleak time. Um, he, he was he was right to go off on one. We were all having, we're all having it tough at this point. <laughs> We'd all not been allowed to see our family at Christmas. It was a horrendous time. We were fifth behind Falkirk. Um, let's never repeat this again. I'm not in the position to, to criticise anybody's commentary efforts, David, but I will come back to you for, for a, a, a game. It's everybody's favourite game. It's, it's Can you name the unused substitutes from this game? There were four of them. The <laughs> oldest one is 20 years old. Can you name the four unused substitutes? Was um, was Reese Breen an unused sub here? Jetfield does not melt them. That is correct. Is <laughs> oh my one. God, I got one of them right. What a time to be alive. Um, was uh, no, because no, Senna actually like Senna started. started. Senna started. Yeah. We'll keep going so you get one wrong. Have another guess. Um, was Billy Owens on the no. bench? I like your thinking, but no. Charlie Riley was an unused substitute of what happened to n- him? Now have done now at Dundee. <laughs> Gospel Acholi somehow made it onto the bench. I, I don't remember him ever being in a competitive match day squad, but there you go. And Luke Scullion was the sub goalkeeper. Uh, Jamie Snedden injured at this point with Kieran Wright and goal. So, yeah, that's quite the bench. Uh, well, we'll move on to the 27th of December and we'll go to, to Fur Park. Another game where Thistle failed to score. This was Motherwell 1, Partick Thistle 0 on the 27th of December 2014. Reese, I'll start with you on this one. What do you remember of this? Um, 
not a great deal at, at first thought. So let me just double check. I want to see. So uh, 2013, five, so sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Sorry. 2014, right, Motherwell. Uh, so did they beat us 1-0 at Fur Park? That's right, yeah. I'm not going to lie, I was banking and recent knowing about this game. Um, and I, I will, when Tom said there's a game I don't remember, I was like, it's definitely going to be this one. But recent will save us, it'll be absolutely fine. Who scored it? If you tell me who scored I'll be able to remember the game a bit better. John Slatton penalty. No, I, I genuinely do not remember this game. This, this game is one of the very few games that escapes me. Um, but I really I really don't remember this game. I'm looking, I'm looking through the team lines right now. I think this was Stuart Bannigan at left back. I have a memory of Stuart Bannigan playing left back at Fur Park, mm-hmm. and I think it was this one. Looking at the I, team, probably right, because doesn't seem to be another left back there. And I, I remember him getting torn apart. Was it him that gave away the penalty? Was it playing at left back? Uh, uh, possibly, I. I think so. Why? But that that was a. If that's a, the the right game, then I disaster class. We were just terrible that day um it, it was i i've just i've, I've had a look here Bannigan holds his man to the ground i we were terrible that day and john sutton i remember a few times going there obviously I remember the four three game i think that might have been the same season obviously a lot better that day and we probably should have won but this game I, I don't remember anything of note i don't remember us getting forward or really having many chances um and, and it just about says it all where the one no one comes from a penalty kick so I, it looks like we've 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 chucked Bannigan out at left back and he's gave away a daft penalty. Not definitely not one that's stayed in the stayed in the memory of many. So uh, it's that was a poor day at the office. I think it was Lionel Ainsworth who'd have been the the direct opponent of Bannigan who gave him a, a tough afternoon that day. And um, Tom, have you got any more memories than than myself or Risa this one? Um, oh, yes, but only because I watched the highlights this afternoon. That's uh, another, another one. I just I think I just do not remember this game. But when I watch the highlights, it's it's the reason why we have a shudder anytime Banza goes to left back, because he got absolutely torn apart that afternoon. I think he was a wee bit unlucky with the penalty. It was a really really stupid foul, but I think it was just outside the box. But I also was watching the highlights, and it looks as if he moved into midfield later on. So I'm not quite sure who would have slotted into left back because if he was at left back to start with, we were obviously short in numbers. So I don't know who slipped into left back to replace him and he moved into the midfield but yep that afternoon's why Banzo shouldn't play at left back ever David are, are you going to make a comment about the motherwell goalkeeper here I really hope you are oh actually uh, oh I do remember this game oh right okay okay right yeah because this had one of my favourite ever heckles of all time at this game this is the first time I ever went to Fur Park I, I stay in Uddingston so I stay not like not far from Motherwell at all but this is sort of like my first season going regularly and I was really excited because I got the day off and I was going to Motherwell for the first of the game I was, I mean, arguably still am, but was tactically naive at the time, so I didn't even notice it but I was like, what the hell is going on at left back because I was just all over the shop in terms of understanding what, what was going on a lot of the time, but yes I remember the Motherwell goalkeeper here Dan Twardzik um, who got the, the immortal heckle Twardzik, your name's worth a million points in Scrabble, ya dick. And then the man just sat down and it, it, it killed me. I just, I, and I, I think he reacted to it as well. I wonder how many, actually, I might look that up. I'm going to come back and tell you how many points Twardzik gets you in, in Scrabble. But um, yeah, I, I, I childish naivety going into this game. Um, the first of many brutalising visits to Far Park over my years. Um, but yeah, um, he is a dick. Excellent. We'll move on to the 28th of December, uh, a more successful outing for Thistle as they overcame Morton 2-1 at Capelo. Reese, I will come to you on this one. What are your memories of, of this game? That was a really good one. Um, <clears throat> if I'm right in saying I'm not getting the mix up, I think Alex Jones scored the opener for us that day. Um, and obviously we were, we were going through a bit of a, a bad patch um, at that point in time. I think it's fair to say, obviously we ended up getting relegated. But like you know, whenever you go to Morton, it's always going to be a battle and sort of form kind of goes out the window um, when you're playing Morton. And uh, the the main standout for that game, I think, for everyone in attendance, even the Morton fan, was Tam Ware obviously scoring against his old team, the team that he used to captain, and then proceeding to run the the length of the the cow sheds at Capelo to jump up and celebrate with the Thistle fans, which was brilliant. And it's probably one of the the best moments. You know, I know that all you guys on this podcast you love a good bit of shit and that's that's probably in the top three 
of any sort of shit housing you've seen from a Thistle player. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and like like we all know, it's always good to get a win at Capello. And that one just felt a wee bit a wee bit funnier than normal. So I had a good day um, and a and a good way to, to sort of spread the festivities. Tom, your memories of this one? Primarily, Tom Aware's celebration down the, the length of the cowshed. It was it was brilliant. Um, I actually watched the highlights of this one back just about 10 minutes before I came on this call. And it's, it's remarkable how the passage of time makes you judge incidents differently. I remember being raging at the Morton penalty, thinking that's never a penalty. Watching the highlights back the next day, thinking that's never a penalty. Then I watched it today and went, ah, he's just barged him in the back. Of course it's a penalty. So it's taken me a good few years to realise that ah, sometimes decisions that go against us. Should go against us. But apart from that, good finish from Alec Jones. And I remember, obviously we didn't know at the time what was coming, but when we we shut down, locked down for COVID, for a long, long time I had this awful fear that this was going to be the last time I would ever see Partick Thistle win a match. Because we didn't win another game that season until, until we went into lockdown. I can't remember how many how many games in the trot without a win. A lot of draws, but... Obviously, no victories. So that used to play in my mind as the last time I saw Thistle was going to be at Capilo in December 2019. So when we finally did get back playing and we did win again, it was a sense of relief. But just in general, victories at Capilo are always thoroughly enjoyable, whether it's just, again, the old-fashioned, old-school grounds. I think that they're the places where you want to win away from home more than anywhere, I think, anyway. I agree with you, Tom. I remember looking at this a little bit at lockdown, and this was the longest gap in terms of days. Not in terms of matches, but in terms of days between Thistle wins, uh, because it was like December 2019 to like September 2020, I think was the the next time we won, maybe even October. And it was the the longest run in terms of days um, Thistle went without a win. Tom, if it took you four years, as now, if it took you four years to to accept a, a decision in a relatively an inconsequential decision against Morton, which didn't really influence the result in the end. How long will it take you to accept any decisions from Dingwall? If we're, are we talking years? Are we talking decades? Never. Taking that to the grave with me. Quite right. David, you've got your hand up. Um, this game, yeah, this game is notable because it is two of my favourite stats. Well, maybe not favourite, but two most incredible stats. So they were ch- like children conceived and born in the time between this game and us beating BSC Glasgow in that pre-season friendly. Uh, that was the, the first game we won afterwards. It was children genuinely conceived, like Christmas, you know, New Year, Hogmanay babies conceived and born in the time that it took for us to win our next game after this. And this stat might still be going. Is this still the last time that we won a game from coming from behind the halftime in the league? That's the wrong game. We didn't come from behind. You can edit that out as well. Was it not? And that was wait, Queen of the South away. It was the same month. It was Queen of the South away. Is it? Oh, well, right. Okay. No, I thought, I always thought it was the Morton one, but um, is that is that start still going? Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's sadder, that start or the fact that we we had like there's like we we're de- I'm definitely going to like interview one of these children in like 18 years and go what was it like being entirely you know like the, the whole pregnancy and then when the time imagine we got a Thistle fan who imagine who ne- imagine you got an actual detailed answer about that about what it was like to be in the womb uh, and and not sensing any Thistle victories from the outside world imagine they actually gave you a took that question seriously <laughs> and gave you a detailed description of what that was like. I'd be fascinated to hear that. <laughs> uh, David, I'll stick with you. I hope you have worked out how many points Dan Torsik's name is worth in Scrabble because he features in this next game from the 29th of December 2013 at Furhill as Motherwell came and gave us a bit of a doing that day, 5-1. You mean the 25-point kid, Dan Torsik? Um <laughs> Oh God, I remember this game. I remember this. I think this is the game that they stopped allowing away fans into the the main stand after this because someone set a flare off in there. 
because that was the whole thing of I remember someone uh, set, setting a flare off there and then getting huckled and ejected. I think a couple of Motherwell fans got huckled and ejected for this. And to be fair, they were absolutely slinging it up as 5-1 um, at home over Christmas. Absolutely fair. Yeah, that, this was an absolute doing. This was the... and I, I, Yeah, because I mean, I think famous, famously for our entire Premier League run, um, we always were terrible till Christmas like always um, there was that start I think we got to top six where if the season started in October we'd been like Europe by like several points but it was just you know a run up until Christmas was always the thing that failed us and um, it was kind of around this time I mean we've seen with Inverness and even with like the Falkirk game that Tom talked about earlier as well about there being a bit of hope and that, you know, we might have not been that good until then, but sort of Christmas, New Year, things start to turn around and you get a wee bit of hope and there's a glimmer in your eye that we might be able to do something or survive or, you know, make a, a fight in the playoffs title or whatever. Um, and then we get beat 5-1 by Motherwell um, at the time. Was this the year they came second and got into the Champions League or was that the year before? Oh, certainly could have been. It was either that year or the year before. It was certainly around about that time, but they were like right up there um, in terms of they were, you know, fighting for second place with, uh, in a Rangers league. And uh, they were a good side. And, you know, Dan Twardzik, uh, Scrabble Ace himself was, was in goals. And yeah, I just remember that. I think this might have been my first proper doing like, at a Thistle game, like in terms of like, being a Thistle fan and being aware of it. And like, I, I, yeah, I just remember this being really, really morose and just horrendous. And yeah, the Motherwell fans were dicks and fair play to them. Reese, any memories of this one? Yeah, just as, as David mentioned there, I, I had a look and yeah, Motherwell were sort of flying at that point. They were second in the table, obviously second in the table, but they were 11 points behind Celtic and Celtic had a game in hand. So, do you know what I mean? They weren't really threatening to win the league or anything like that. Looking at ourselves, we were sitting in 10th place, um, but we did have a sort of a massive cushion. Hearts were on minus points at this point, uh, sitting on minus two. So I remember going into the game, we went 1-0 up early doors, and I remember thinking, here we go. It was Lawless going against, obviously, Motherwell. We had a bit of history there, obviously, coming through Motherwell's academy, so it was a good moment for him on that note. Um, and that's probably where the good moments ended, because, like it's been mentioned already, they stuck by past us. Bit of a horror show from us. Um, and I remember leaving that game just thinking... They, on the day they were a cut above us and it just sort of the harsh reality of the Premiership sometimes not to say that we couldn't compete because countless times we, we were competing and, and we, we ultimately we could compete at that level but days like that it just shows you sometimes the, the golf and standard if you're not on it you can get punished and we certainly did that day I think we were playing Piccolo and, and <laughs> Elliot Cragen and if they all started to probably realistically not good enough for Premiership level um, and I Motherwell had a had a pretty decent team at that side. I know you mentioned already they had Ainsworth. I think James James McFadden played that day. Um, probably probably Keith Lasley's best game in a Motherwell jersey out of the, the many hundreds. I'm sure they scored that day, and that wasn't too much of a common feature. But I uh, it was a a poor day all round for us. But I it was Motherwell were a good team at that stage. Well, this is a Christmas special. We're trying to keep spirits high, so we'll move on quickly. We'll go to the 30th of December, 2017. Partick Thistle 2, Owen Coyles, Ross County nil. Merry Christmas to you, Owen Coyle, if you are listening. Tom, what are your memories of this game in 2017? I remember that we'd, um, I think we'd won either the week before or a couple of weeks prior to that, beat Hamilton at home and then rounded off what I'm guessing would have been the last game before the winter break by beating Ross County. And I think that, if memory serves me correctly, took us off the bottom of the league. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, we'll kick on from now. The injured players who missed large chunks of the first half of the season, they'll come back, we'll go from strength to strength, and we'll be fine in the second half of the season. Yep, I got that one a bit wrong. Um, I think the players being injured in the first half of the season did have a big impact on how things eventually panned out, but primarily because... If they'd been fit, we'd have realised they weren't up to scratch anymore. I mean, the, the previous season, Abdul Osman had been absolutely fantastic for us. And then second half of this season, never kicked a ball. And I think if we'd been aware of the deficiencies in the squad prior to the the January transfer window opening, I think Archie might have done a bit more business in January 
rather than thinking, yep, we've got ourselves off the bottom. The injured players are coming back. We're going to be fine. This particular game, did Connor Salmon not score right at the death? A great ball from Andy McCarthy. Goodness, whatever yep. happened to him. Yep. Um, and I think this was at the height of Salmon's popularity, for want of a better word than I think the next time we played a game was in at Queen of the South in the Cup and people were taking fish down and stuff like that. That's the, I do remember, am I remembering that correctly when we played Queen of the South in the Cup? There was a yeah. there was guys with fish. Yeah. Not just yeah, he swung it about his over his head, yeah. No, he did it. Was, and the, the, the staff said, you can't take that in. And he went, how? And he went, because it's a fish. And he just left it in the car park. You're absolutely right. Salmon Mania was running wild at this Salmon, point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you are correct. I mean, he wasn't the worst player we've ever had, but he was a long way from being the best player we've ever had. But I mean, I think, yeah, I think the two games at the tail end of that calendar year did kind of let, um, hide the discrepancy or the, the weaknesses that were in the, the squad and meant that we never actually addressed them properly and ultimately got relegated. There's a nice cheery festive thought for you all. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, I think this game's significant. You've mentioned the, the players that were injured in the first half of the season, Tom. This was Jordan Turnbull's final appearance for Thistle, and you've mentioned a couple of home wins. I think he was really key. We had some good home wins that month. I think we beat Motherwell 3-2. We beat Hamilton, as you say, and then we beat Ross County, Tom, and Jordan Turnbull was starting to pick up a bit of form. Uh, Bailey Cargo came in as a sort of like-for-like replacement. I think that was maybe the only player we signed in January, and I think he was okay, but maybe wasn't just quite as as good as as effective as, as Turnbull was becoming in, in the latter stage of, of his short Thistle career. But my abiding memory of this, I think the first goal, I think it's Andrew Davies, the, the Ross County defender, plays a short back pass to Scott Fox and Doolan nips in and scores. And there's a tremendous photo. I can't remember who took it, but we'll use it as the, the pod photo and we'll credit whoever did take it. It's a fantastic photo. And it's Andrew Davies. He's obviously like got a very strained face running back but it looks like he's sort of laughing at what he's done in Doolan, he's just nipping in round Fox, it's, it's a great photo and that's my abiding memory of that one we'll move on to the, the 31st of December and we'll go to the, the previous season 31st of December 2016 Partick Thistle nil, Kilmarnock nil. The, the top 6 season though but maybe not the most memorable game from that season, David do you have anything that stands out in your mind from, from this game on, on Hogmanay? Was this at home or away? This was at Furhill. Furhill. Um, no, then. <laughs> um, I, I, well, I, I, the, only thing, the only thing I would say is that, like, uh, uh, no, no. That's no, great. I, yeah, That's no. Great. <laughs> I remember going into this game and we, we, we weren't really, like, top six contenders at this point. It was a sort of, t- as I think it was you, David mentioned we always started season slowly. This sort of typical slow start to the season. And I remember this game looking like a tricky one because this was, we've talked about Connor Salmon mania. This was Solomon Koulibaly mania for Kilmarnock. He'd started the season on fire. And I think this might have been his last game for Kelly before he got his big move to to Egypt. And and then that, that was him coming a long way back to, to Fahil via, via Egypt. Um, Koulibaly not got the little former jag tag on a, or future jag I should say tag on this archive so Mr Archive if you are listening please pay pay the respect that Solomon Koulibaly deserves and, and grant him the, the future jag tag on his name. Reese, do you have any more memories than David from this one? Uh, in all honesty not not a single memory of this game obviously it's a, a nil-nil draw from what however many years ago now, seven, eight years ago whatever it is but it's I had a quick Google there just in case you, you came to me with a question. I just wanted to sort of see if I could have any flashbacks. And it turns out that there was a milestone in that game. Chris Doolan's 300th club appearance. I don't remember it being celebrated in any any some sort of way. But apparently he scored twice for us in that game and they were both offside. I couldn't tell you what either of the goals were like. But I, an uneventful day. It seems we have quite a couple of these uneventful games. But I... No, 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 draw. Not, not too many memories of it, unfortunately. I have to say, fair play if you are listening to this on Christmas Day to what is essentially classified results and three people saying, I don't really remember this game. But, uh, hopefully we'll have more luck with the next one. Tom, I'll come to you on this one. January the 1st, 2005, New Year's Day. 
It was John Lambie's last game in the Thistle dugout. A 1-1 draw at Love Street. Do you have any, any memories of this one? Please say yes. Well, it depends. Um, I do remember where I was that day. Unfortunately, it was hundreds of miles away from Love Street. I was stranded in the Isle of Mull. For a, we went away for my partner's mum's, mm. I think it must have been her 70th birthday. So I was in the Isle of Mull desperately trying to get a mobile signal to try to find out what was happening at, in Paisley. My recollections of the game, unfortunately, aren't great. Uh, what I do recall was, as you say, it was obviously John Lambie's final game. And I don't think it was apparent at the time, but what I've subsequently been told is that although he took the job saying, I'm only doing it for a short spell, he was prepared to take it on on a longer-term basis. But our then-chairman decided that, no, John Lambie, for all he's achieved in the game, we've got a better candidate just waiting in the wings in the shape of Dick Campbell. So, yeah, that's another managerial masterstroke from our football club. Um, a sliding doors moment, I just wonder what might have happened had John even just stayed to the end of that season, not necessarily gone beyond that. I'm quite sure that we wouldn't have gone down. Who knows where we might have ended up. David, I'm, I'm really racking my brain to ask you a relevant question to our 1-1 draw at St Mirren. Um, can you think of any manager in Scottish football that would make a better Santa Claus at a small Scottish town's gro- pop-up grotto than Dick Campbell? <laughs> is this a low? That's the question I would write. Is this a low for the podcast? No, Listen, it's no, not a low no. for the podcast, David. It's the 18th Actually, of December. It's a low if, if you've chosen to listen to this on Christmas Day. Um, on Saturday, uh, after the Dunfermline game, me and Hera went to uh, a pub in Dunfermline with uh, Hera's friends. And um, Jim Leishman walked in um, to shout. the ground. So I, I, and thinking about that when I seen him, he's quite, a, he's quite a big guy as well. I think Jim Leishman would make a great um, Santa Claus there. But uh, Dick Campbell's a very strong shout. Uh, Reese, Tom, any any Santa Claus shouts in, in terms of Scottish football managers? Smashing. We'll move on. Silence says it all. Right, last game. Uh, if you are listening, you'll probably be glad to hear. The 2nd of January 2016, a real feel-good fixture. Celtic <laughs> 1, Partick Thistle now, Lee Griffiths, 90th minute winner. David, take it away. Oh my god, this is... I, I, honestly, I think it's... A, like, obviously, I am... Um, we, we talked about, like, you know, Dingwall early on and stuff like that. And, like, you know, we, we, we have a whole thing about horrifying games at Halloween, you know, haha, very funny, whatever. I think this is the most I've been crushed by a game. Like, we should have won this. Like, this is our year to beat them, and we didn't. And we were all over them, and near beat on get sent off. And they were absolutely stinking. And then they scored in the last minute. And um, I, oh, it, it was absolutely heart wrenching. I, I, yeah, I thought this was just, yeah, definitely. I think the the, the lowest of it, it's on a power down wall, but I think I probably I didn't find this as funny. So I get this is I oh my god, I hated this game so much. We we should have we should have won. Like we should have won. There is no other way around it. We should have beaten them. I mean, it was bad. It wasn't as bad as Dingwall. Uh, Reese, any any memories that I'm sure you've tried to erase of of spending the second January in Sig Parkhead? Oh, I was I was furious at this game, man. I, I was genuinely crestfallen at full time. I remember, like you know, it's like growing up in Glasgow as a Thistle fan, like the the shite that you get from either our chick of the old firm. I just remember that day, as David said, we were. They were miles off it and we were actually pretty good. Remember Dan Seaborn had a header cleared off the line by Tierney and we were in the ascendancy, you know, they had ten men beat on got sent off. When do you ever see a Celtic player getting a red card at Parkhead? Um, so it felt like sort of fortune was going in our favour favour and we could maybe maybe have snuck a result here. And you know, we defended really well as well, even and then the goal comes what ninety plus four minutes on the clock or something. Big Lee Munsey uh, blocks Chris Common's shot and it spins in the air for an eternity. There's backspin on it and everything falls right at the foot of Lee Griffiths and they win one 0 And genuinely, I, I could have spewed right there and then. I was I was oh, physically sick and 
you know, you, you leave that game, you're sitting ranting to everyone, oh, we should have won that, blah, 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 the, the ref, this added time. You feel like you're, you're it's, it sounds like excuses you're coming up with, but it's just it's just that look that these teams carry. Um, and you're, you're dejected, you're sitting sort of fighting for your life in these group chats against, you know, Celtic and, and even Rangers fans sort of pile on when that sort of stuff happens, like, oh, you lay down, blah, blah, blah. But, oh, it was a, a terrible one to lose and an absolute kick in the stones to, to start in the year. The tyranny clearances, the bit I remember that was the biggest giveaway because usually when like Celtic or Rangers when they style it out and there's a never in doubt, like Tierney when he cleared that, they celebrated it like it was like you know if Bayern had cleared Sheringham's goal off the line on the ninety nine Champions League final, like they like there was a moment of weakness. Is that sort of a flinch is better than a thousand knockouts sort of thing? Of we had absolutely rattled them and they did not think they were winning that and they thought they were really lucky and yeah that's why I thought we had them in toast that day and we didn't win and yeah I'll lighten the mood a little bit before I come to you Tom I, I might have told this story months ago in the podcast but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Dan Seaborn Reese um, when we did a, a survey with our, our listeners maybe nine months or so ago maybe 40 or 50 episodes ago but we still had a good 120 130 odd episodes under the books we one of the one of the last questions in the survey was what is your favorite moment or episode of draw loser draw and one respondent said the Dan Seaborn interview we have never interviewed Dan Seaborn. Dan Seaborn has never uttered a single word on this podcast. Neither have we asked Dan Seaborn to come on the podcast. So <laughs> if the Dan Seaborn interview was your favourite, fair enough. Tom, any memories of this game? I'm just wondering whether this Dan Seaborn thing is conclusive proof that time travel is possible. You haven't had a Dan Seaborn interview yet. Maybe this guy's listened to it a couple of years down the line. It's an absolutely brilliant episode. And he's travelled back in time, forgotten that it's 2026 when he's listened to the Dan Seaborn interview. And I think I probably just lowered the tone of this pod even more with that pash. Um, but anything to try to avoid talking about this game at Parkhead. It's not the Seaborn one that's cleared off the line that I remember the most. It's Pogba's header. He's in the centre of the six-yard box. He's got the whole bloody goal to aim at. And he's practically down the throat at the Celtic goalkeeper. An inch either side of the keeper, it's 1-0 and it's a famous victory. It's not going to make him a better player, but he'll be thought of in much the same way that Azzy Aziz is thought of because of his, his goal at Parkhead. That was his sliding doors moment as a as a Thistle player. And it just... I remember, I mean, I, I stay within walking distance of Parkhead and I remember heading back to my local pub in Denison and just being absolutely bereft sitting in the pub. How on earth did we not win that game? It still puzzles me how we didn't win that game. I've I've spoken to Celtic fans in my work about this game, and you know the the Josie Mourinho gif of him like chucking the water bottles. He's like raging that Man United have scored a, a last minute one. I think Celtic fans feel similar. I don't think they were very impressed by I guess is the sort of latter stage of the Ronnie Dyla era. I don't think they were very impressed with the the game, and it was probably more like angry relief that they, they won it than, than joy. I don't think they've got too fond memories of this one either. We will finish the podcast, David, with with a, a second edition of everybody's favourite game, but we'll mix it up a bit. Can you name the four unused Celtic substitutes this day? Crikey O'Reilly. Oh, my, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. Um, oh, was, um, was Marvin Comper on this team? Uh, no, yeah, I think you're maybe a year out. Oh, that's Ollie Buck down this one then, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, you're a good few well. years out for that. Right, if, if I said the name to you, Logan Bailey, David. <laughs> how, how did we not win this game? He's like, a sub-goalkeeper. I couldn't tell you a single thing about that man, with all due respect. Um, also on the Celtic bench, unused that day, Emilio Izaguirre, fair enough, he had a decent stint at Celtic. Scott Allen, of getting sent off for our growth against Partick Thistle last season fame. And uh, also on the Celtic bench that day, Carlton Cole. <laughs> like, again, how how on earth? We lost this game of football. We lost. <laughs> how is this possible? I think uh, the only thing that can be dispersed is if you had to pick one of them to score the winner, but it's like Carlton Cole is the funniest. Like I think that that we have definitely like 
we talked about this all the time if Carton Cole had scored against us. But um, Scott Allen, like, I, I, would you rather Scott Allen or Carlton Cole had scored the goal? Uh, Carlton Cole would be funnier. Yeah, I no, I agree. Because then when he gets sent off against us for our broth, he, he would, we'd all laugh at him and then he go, I but I did score in the 94th minute against you at Parkhead to crush your dreams. So, um, yeah. Well, we will leave it there. We hope the last 50 minutes or so has enhanced your festive period. Uh, we will be back at some point to review the last couple of matches uh, in the last week or two of December. In the meantime, stay safe, enjoy the rest of your festive period and a happy new year when it comes. Thank you.